Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Hi, and welcome to 101 Part-Time Jobs. This is the podcast where I speak to people about the jobs they do or did before being an artist, being a comedian, working in entertainment, doing those kinds of jobs where you look at them and you think, that person's just been doing this forever. In fact, they probably haven't. This week we've got Joey from I Told You I Would Eat You, who are a brilliant sort of collective band spanning the kind of emo, rock, experimental, kind of this town needs guns kind of vibe. Joey and I caught up. I went around their house and we talked about their experiences as a child actor working in pubs and just the kind of mindset that they grew up in in a small commuter to London town. Those commuter towns, they breed a frustration in art, it seems like. So have a listen to Joe's experiences. Thanks for listening, as always. You can listen to Soho Radio. This is now being played on, which is great, which is where I also have an indie punk rock and power pop show called Modern Lovers. And 
get in touch if you've got any ideas. Sometimes I forget to ask people to do these and it gets to a week like this week where I'm like, shit, haven't done one. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Signature Brew is the official beer of 101 part-time jobs. It's basically really kind of only into the one specific subject of the battle that you face Mm -hmm. being a musician, artist, comedian, you know, anything that, you know, requires a serious amount of focus and time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the jobs that you have to work in order to do that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fascinating thing to talk about. Like, and I think because I think there there are anecdotes. There are funny people. Yeah, you know? and, yeah, yeah. And you said earlier you started in a band when you were fourteen. Yeah, 15? 13, 14, Yeah. What was your? So you were at college? You, no, you were at school. I will have been. Point, well, I, I was home educated. So really? yeah. Um. So uh, from from six. I bet so, that's really annoying for have people like yeah. me be like really. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like now nah, I'm used to it at this point. Like. Um, it's one of the things like it makes you a bit different. Like it's yeah. quite kind of useful at some some points actually to have like a thing. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I was home educated from the age of about six to the age of about fifteen. So okay. I went to college. Yeah. Like, um, normal. Um, and I took like, I don't know like, it meant that I just didn't have any friends. Like yeah. I had some friends at like a part time drama school my sister in law runs. Like I used to go there and like. That's where I learned, like, improv and comedy and stuff like that and really mm. got into that side of what I like. Um, and, like... But it meant that all my friends were kids that I saw for, like, an hour and a half on a Saturday. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was it was yeah. a a small part of my life to see anyone. Yeah. So, like... Um, yeah, so I was... Yes, but, like... So I started bands with people I met from that. Partly because I just wanted to talk to someone outside of that. From you know I mean? from the art school? The, you know, yeah, from the drama sort of like, cl- almost like a club, really. Yeah. Um, well, it was. And how much how much older is your sister? Um, her sister-in-law. But, um, yeah, okay. uh, so she, well, she's in her 50s now. She's in her 40s. Oh, okay. So she's like an adult. She you got know, you. Like, my, my point with that going down was just like, was it kind of in the idea that you might work there at some point? Or? I mean, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like one of them things where like, they had a lot of employees, so I knew it wasn't, like, going to be a career or whatever. But, like, I, I did for a long time want to be a performer, like an actor. Um, but that was just because that's what my, my sister's sisters, not sister-in-law's, my sisters used to do, was acting. Yeah. So, like, um, and they're writers now, um, and, and, and performers. But um, that was kind of, like, what I, I thought I was going to do growing yeah. up. Because that was what, like, my family seemed to be, like, are, like based around. And presumably you know I mean? you're, like, you're whoever your sort of parental figures. Yeah, like, yeah. That's what they kind of were happy with. Yeah, yeah. like, that That was, like, that was what we sort of talked about and did. Like, yeah, yeah. we were a family that was into movies. Yeah, and, cool. And, and, and into, like, performing and acting and all that stuff. And, like, it took me a long time to realise that wasn't for me. That wasn't my thing, you know, like... What age were you? When I realised I fully didn't want to do it, I was probably 18. Yeah. But I... Were they disappointed? No, everyone was fine. Like, yeah. they got that I was doing my thing. Like, I got a really supportive family. They were By cool. then, you were playing music for four or five years. Yeah, for real. Like, it was always my thing that, like, I was really into my music, you know? Like, even just as a listener, and I played a bit of drums, like, they got that was my thing. Yeah. But I, I thought I wanted to be an actor, you know what I mean? I was yeah. like, well, that's what I'm going to do, and music's a fun thing I'll do on the side. It's a very... It's I, I had a weird upbringing in that way because like, it was, do whatever you fucking want like just get yeah. it and like do what makes you happy and like don't ask about anything else like you'll just do it, and that in some ways is a super super positive thing. Oh, absolutely! Like really really good thing. But like 
also like it took me a while to sort of like get who I was you know what yeah. I mean from that like so how do you find that transition going into college um what a meeting people like yeah uh, and yeah. just just the life that comes with it you know the, the waking up to go to bed everything between yeah like well, I loved it like I loved people like seeing people talking to people making people giving people reactions and just like yeah. learning about what humans were like yeah like it felt like I've been completely cut off from the world I mean I wasn't completely cut off from the world but it felt like that you know yeah. did you have that kind of thing where you're like even at that young age you're like okay I'm just gonna play music I'm yeah, just, just like, going to try and play well, music. At college, I got really into philosophy. Like, I did philosophy A-level, yeah. I did music, and I did music tech. And Were you writing tech. lyrics? Uh, I was, yeah. So I've been writing lyrics since I was about, probably before I started that. So probably 11, 12, I started writing little poems and things. But it wasn't anything good. <laughs> like, it was just like, I remember... I, I went through some very old notes that I found on like an old note taking app. But before Brilliant. it even really, I used the notes app. It was before it was some other app. app I used. Have you got any lines you and can like, tell us right now? What's funny is that like it's not even lines. It's like things that I think are clever ideas that I can work into something. And I remember being like, I want to write a Christmas song that's sad. I thought <laughs> I thought no one had done that. Got a reverse Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every at the age of twelve, <laughs> I was like. I'm a genius <laughs> and I've got this note it's like, not a bad idea <laughs> it's, but it's not a bad idea like uh, when I, I've got this note on my phone from when I must have been 11 or 12 and it's just like <laughs> sad Christmas song mistletoe is actually poisonous and I was like wow. ah, eh, poisonous mistletoe very cool very That's emo exactly. yeah exactly and I was like huh but like um it's one of those things where I have deleted some of those things, but also I kind of keep them around, like yeah. keep you humble. You've got to have yeah. your bad old demos yeah. like on your phone sometimes so that you can listen back and be like, I've learned something at least, you know, yeah. like when I got to college, I met other people who were musicians and mm. I was studying music and suddenly I was thinking like, like shit, there's like, there's stuff to do here. You know what I mean? And I remember a mate of mine who I did philosophy with, he was a producer of really good like ambient electronic tracks. I remember he named an EP after a quote from I think Descartes. And I remember that like even though like me and him didn't chat like about books or whatever very much, he was just a dude I like liked. Mm. Um we'd like get stoned together or whatever. And I I remember that being big for me. Like when I was a kid like shit, your music can be like everything you're doing. I don't just have to write about people who I fancy. I don't just have to write about feeling shit or feeling good or having sex. Do you think that played into your your time spent on it as well? Like, you can be a, you know, you can be a fucking songwriter when you're at the shops buying a pack of chocolate. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, looking at the way people interact with each other. And and it didn't occur to me that you could. It didn't occur to me that you could. Like, for, like, I could write about something other than what I was hearing people write about. Mm. Like, the idea that what you write could be a form of like poetry mm. is an idea that even up to like four years ago, I was really dicey on that. Mm. Like I, mm. I know that I had a sort of almost moralistic view that your writing should be stream of consciousness, that it should be how you feel in that moment. Mm. Because I hated the idea of just honesty, and I hated the idea of other people writing your music. It really made me feel like beyond that sort of punk outrage, it was like this sort of like emotional thing. Like if yeah. I feel like I'm being lied to, and I know yeah, I'm being yeah. lied to, you know. Um, but then, like basically, when we did, I am not your fault. I just wanted to write something that was honest and pretty. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I, I, I grew up, you know, like, my sisters would always read the poetry and shit like that, yeah. and they'd read shit to yeah, me. Yeah. Like, all, like, the war poets and stuff like that, Wolfro and Seafried Sassoon, people like that. And it was in my DNA, and I was almost rejecting it. Yeah, like, yeah, as yeah, like, yeah. no, this isn't punk. Yeah, I feel This you. isn't like, this, yeah. this isn't what I am, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, like, I, had, I think I had a chip on my shoulder about yeah. it, you know. I like, I wasn't a dick about it, but like, in my head, I had this internal chip on my shoulder that was like, don't be like the middle class kids you hate. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, like, yeah. But then the other half of that, and I think a lot of working class kids have this, the other half of that is like, I want to prove I'm just as smart as you. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, I remember sure. being in, in class and like seeing some kid who I liked, but who had a much, you know, more like, you know, financially stable upbringing than me, um, getting better grades than me and me just having this instinctive like, nah, fuck that, I'm going to do better. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and like, it, it's like that in songwriting as well. You got Where, where were you working on the side of college? In the... So uh, my first job... In Gordomine was a um, was a restaurant called Grills and Greens, which doesn't exist nice. anymore, and um, it was a really e- I gotta say it was an easy fucking job. Yeah, like I've I like I don't know if I just uh, I don't consider any of this stuff. How would we do that? If we're talking about like first like waged job, yeah, it was that yeah. one, and that was probably sixteen, seventeen. Nice. No, like, did you, you know have any that? friends there? Like, what were your uh, yeah, like? so my my. Like small, um, God will mean where I'm from. Small town, so you, everyone kind of knows each other. You're in each other's business, so I knew the guy who ran it vaguely, and my brother worked there for a bit as well. Oh, and cool. I think he might, I think he was actually working there when I started. Yeah, and he's like a lot older than me. Um, he's like, I think forty this year. Yeah, I mean, if, if he listens to this and he's thirty nine, he'll kill me. <laughs> like, um, but like um, around that age. So I so, so I started working there, and like you know, it was it was just waiting tables, man. Like there are some people who who just can't do that, yeah. Um, and there are some people who are kind of fine with it, and I'm yeah. so I'm kind of fine with it. Like I like yeah. I like talking to people and stuff like that. Yeah, you yeah. thought some you know someone else like you know Ollie from I told you I'd eat you. Like he historically has found it pretty hard to like find a job that he can just like do and like just keep because down not... he finds service work so hard. Yeah, and like. Yeah. He's much more like he was using a middle class guy. Yeah. He he's been sort of lucky in that he can sort of now choose a bit more what he's doing. Like yeah, when Ollie yeah. works, even if it's hard, yeah. it's broadly in the direction where Ollie wants to go. It's in yeah. music or it's yeah. in, in, in like social media PR. I, I think in my mind, it's yeah. about whether you take that hook home with you or not. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If yeah, if someone's yeah, a dick yeah. to you, whether that affects your night, yeah, yeah or yeah. if someone's addicted to you and it's water for ducks back, and I think well, I think yeah. that for me, in my experience doing those kinds of jobs and friends doing those jobs, yeah, if you can just get over something, not to say everyone should, yeah, if you can just survive but, it, like, yeah. then it's such a strength. And like, yeah, I did. There were times when I took stuff home with me. I mean, I remember my boss, not the first, it was the same restaurant, but it was a different different boss. I remember he was one of those terrible managers. He was very, very. Uh, gets stressed very easily. Micromanagement. Um, it's sort of it's one of those. I don't necessarily mind a micromanaging manager. Say that three times fast. Yeah. I don't mind a micromanaging manager, but what I do mind is like guys who think that they're in control when they're freaking out. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. are in charge. Yeah. You need everyone is. I'm worked not in, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Everyone who's worked in service has had the experience of feeling like you're ready for the rush, or the lunch rush, or whatever. Yeah. And then your manager coming in and as if they've just realised and going, guys, it's about to get really busy. And you're like, yeah, no, I'm taking the left yeah, hand I know, side. Maybe he's taking the right hand side. It's all good. <laughs> like, and he's like, no, that's wrong. I'll take the left. You take the front, and you mop up the fucking, you know, all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh fuck. Comes to the club and, and fucks it up. Yeah, and like you just can't say no because it's your manager yeah yeah the, yeah, guy, yeah. the guy's like a dick and an yeah. idiot but i remember one time during a rush i was like just keep my head down just get my job done i was in the kitchen and this dude like it's a really narrow corridor into the kitchen he like he's like he's messed something up and he's my manager so i can't be like stop being shit at your job yeah. like i have to be like oh no but like he he like is trying to get past me and he just like snapped he's like oh my fucking way and like shoves me and i Oh man! In that moment, I suddenly like, I I, I didn't obviously, but I really wanted to smack him. Like you, yeah, I was like, you, I was like, you're making this shift hell. Yeah, you're making like because you're bad at your job. Yeah, and you're making more money than me. Yeah, and like like that you would like then take that out on me. It's really got me. Something really irked me. I remember being like. After the rush, being like, mate, if that ever happens again, like, you're just going to have to find someone else to work the shift because you, you control yourself like that. And, like, you know, having a word with him when you're, like, 17, 18, yeah, like, that's a big conversation yeah, to have yeah, yeah. with your manager. Like, that was probably a stupid conversation to have as well. Yeah. But in the end, I think he just blew it off. Yeah, and he, yeah. he, he was embarrassed, so he was just like, yeah, whatever. And we never talked about it again. Well, when did you leave that? that? I left that probably when I was about 19. And then I literally worked the pub around the corner. Yeah. Um, was that pretty as... as- it was like it as was like straightforward as yeah. It was a nicer job because like you chatted to more people and you know like Any the job funny stories easy. there. Oh, tons, man! Like give me, give me one, <laughs> give me the best. Like um, so, uh, I mean, like a lot of it is just about like these just like old dudes who are really weird. But like the best ones is like I think anyone who works in a pub like has like the sort of old boys who come in and they're like in there from the morning and you just get this thing where it's like these guys are like. Yeah, they're probably alcoholics. You know, they're in there, they're drinking all day. But it's not your job to, like... You know, look, after your manager's not going to let you do that, like, be like, hey, maybe don't drink as much. Because your manager's, like, sell them pints, please. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, but, like, those guys were just the sweetest men. Like, you used to get, like... My town's a weird little town. And you'd get, like, people coming in... What is it? What's the town? Godalming. Okay. It's just south of Guildford. Um, and you get these, these sort of... Basically, I, what I would now term alt-right dudes coming in and I worked there I got the job there because one of my best mates from the age of about 13 called Georgia got me the job there and she was like it's great pay they pay you cash like um, like how I'm much not... was it do you remember oh man I was paid it would have been like eight something an hour That's and that was As fucking great like that was great you're looking for that now at yeah man 27 <laughs> I'd still jump at that like especially for an easy job like yeah. but um yeah she hooked me up with that job it was like super nice of her, but then every now and then we get these dudes come in, and like Georgia was like, you can get back to Georgia was like my day one, like I would have done whatever for her. Like, she always like backed me up. Like, I was, I had some like bad mental health stuff when I was that age. I was in a really abusive relationship when I was about 16, and she was always, God, Georgia was always someone that would like pick me up and mm. look after me, whatever yes. happened. She was always on my side. So, so you I was knew like, you were in a good place. Yeah, 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 and we often worked shifts together. And like, cool. We had each other's back. Like, she's like a sister to me. And, um, like, well, what the biggest thing of that job that really pissed me off was, like, 
dudes being real dicks to her. Like, obviously, like, like old men are in pubs, but, like, young men too, right? Like, I remember a couple of times blokes would come in and they'd just say some nasty shit to her. Not even, like, even, like, the standard, like, commenting her appearance or whatever, but they'd be, like, cruel to her. But what I always remember is that, like, the old boys got what was happening... And normally wouldn't stand for it. Like they were normally like nice. kind of intervene. Yeah, like not like never like a huge thing. But like they weren't those kinds of guys. They yeah. weren't about to like, you know, tell her she was fit or whatever. Because like they, you know, they had kids. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, a lot of people have horrible stories about old boys in their pubs, and like fair enough, because a lot of those guys are bad dudes. Mm-hmm. But like these guys, I mean, they weren't like saints or heroes or anything. But like. They got when shit was bad. Yeah. And, like, I couldn't necessarily say anything. Yeah. Because I was working there. Neither of us could. And if some guy came up and was a dick to her, like, there was, you know, economically speaking, we didn't have another option. Yeah. it was great, great wage, as I said, at the time. So we best kept our mouths shut. And, like, you know, if one of us was really upset, you might, like, you know, squeeze your shoulder or something. But you just got to keep going to the end of the shift. And so even just the littlest thing, when when you're, especially that age, working at a pub... Of someone being like, yeah, I want you just like shut the fuck up for five minutes. Like mm. that's like, I that was lovely. Yeah. Uh, or even just not even that. Like just like if it was hard, if it looked like it was hard, they'd be like, get yourself a pint in as well. Like yeah, write in yeah, the book. Yeah. Like yeah. just little things like that. Where like, were you after the pub then? Say again. After the you? pub. So I mean, basically, I, I was there for a while. Like mm. I, st- I still go in there. I know half people still work there when I go home. And then I was off to uni. Yeah. And like. First, my first try at uni, I was at King's doing philosophy, and I, it was that real, like, trying to be middle class thing. I was like, mm. I'm going to be as good yeah. as anyone. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to go to, like, a fucking good uni in London, yeah. be a London guy. I wasn't even necessarily even thinking about my music at the time. I was in our lost infantry at the time, but we were sort of winding down. And uh, so I got there, and, you know, I was, I was lucky. I was on, like, maximum loan. Yeah, um, nice. Uh, but I was unlucky in that I got halls that were incredibly expensive. Yeah. And that's when I sort of started, like, I guess you get that sort of rush of energy when you first start uni and you're like, I'm a new person now. But it's what, it was then that I really started hustling on my music because yeah. I was like, on one level, I felt like I wanted to be brave and be a person out in the world doing art and all that. So stuff you think about yourself as a kid. Um and often as an adult. Um, but, like, I wanted to do that, but also I think I was very scared of London. Mm. Having come from a small town, I was mm. like, but what if people shout on me at the pub? Mm. My mum doesn't even live around the corner anymore. Mm. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, sort of, like, very you know, childish stuff. And so that was when I started hustling hard on making making some money from music and making some money from bits and pieces of acting that I could do. So, I so rem- you're getting paid for acting? Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. In, my, in, my, uh, in my childhood, what my early teens. acting? So I was a kid, I was a child actor, like as an yeah. actual child, child. Um, uh, I spent my 11th birthday on the set of my family filming a uh, guest spot. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then I went home and we, uh, my parents asked me what I wanted to do. They said I could do anything I like because I've been working on my birthday mm. and I was 11 years old. Told them all I wanted was to watch Mean Girls, which is my favourite film, and uh, eat uh, sweet and sour chicken and egg fried rice. (laughs) And they were like, really? That's what you want for your birthday? You want to watch this this teen movie aimed at uh, (laughs) young women and and eat Chinese? I was like, yeah. Honestly, I haven't changed since then. So you've kept that going. Do you still do bits and bobs now? Um, I don't know. Around the age of like, I would say... Mm, yeah, I would have been about nineteen because I was—I know I was working at the pub 
the time. Yeah. Um, I was in a CBBC thing called Dixie. Mm. Um, and Dixie was a great show. It's, it's finished now, but it was great. It was the first thing for CBBC where they um, filmed it to go out online. Like, it was only going to be online. Yeah. They, they didn't necessarily want to put it on TV. Yeah. And it was all within, like, a fake website, like a fake social media website on sure. CBBC. So it was okay. like kids could log in, and they would watch the show as vlogs from the main character, who is okay. this, this girl. Wow, 21st century shit. Right, and it was very like you know, it was it, we were excited about it being like they were very excited the direction all that like about it being very forward thinking. Yeah, and I did that on my gap year, so I'm an eighteen years old, and it was one of the things where it's like I was there and I was so lucky because like acting is paid very well. It's stupid. Like I was I was on about I think I was on on about one hundred and ten quid a day in expenses, and most of that was sitting around, like and. Like, I was so aware, I was like, I just didn't fit in, you know what I mean? There's acting kids are a certain way in general, and I know lots of people who are actors, and they're lovely people, really sweet people. I grew up around a lot of actors, but I just can't do it. There's this thing about mm. always being on mm. that I just can't do. The, these kids who are always, like, always, like, talking and talking and talking about stuff, and they're so out there and, yeah. like, on it. And, like, I, I can do that for a bit, but it makes me so tired, man. Yeah. And I, I'm, frankly, just too stubborn and, like, self-conscious and yeah. weird sure. to, like, be put in front of a camera and say, said, do something. Yeah. You know what I so mean? So following Kings to come, coming to Goldsmiths. Yeah. Were you working as anything at Kings? Um, so at Kings... So at Kings, I lived off loan. Yeah. I, um... I got residuals from that CBC thing nice. about a year after, and a McDonald's ad I was in. Oh, I was absolutely destroying my DIY credentials here. <laughs> I was I acted in a McDonald's ad, um, and I got paid a stupid amount of money from it. Like yeah. in a lot of ways, when we talk about like my work, I've led a charmed life. Yeah. In a lot of ways, because you know I've done I've done wage work and stuff like that. Yeah. But I've always been pretty frugal, and I've always tried to do my hustle. Because when I stopped being in. Um, Stopped being in Dixie. I had one season of that. I stopped, but then I bumped into the director on the tube, and I said, "Do you want any music done for the next series?" And he was drunk, and he said, "Yeah, man, I've got the stuff. I'm actually thinking about that today." Yeah, and I was like, second series, get me on. I'll yeah. do some composing cool. for you." I made what like so recently. Uh, no, that was the first year of Kings. Okay, so like I made probably. I made like 125 quid off that, like, right. but yeah, it was yeah. probably about half a day's work on my laptop, like, yeah. sat down doing stuff, and like, just little things like that is w- what I started trying to do when I got yeah. up to London. Um, did anything take over? So, what took over from that in terms of like anything making making money, or did that did that start after that? Were you like, okay, I'm just going to try and do music? So, I mean, obviously, I was all, I was like, once I got to uni, I was like, yeah, I'm a music guy, I'm going to do that all the time. But like jobs like that, like I talk about it, like. They're, like, really hard to come by. Yeah. Like, you know, like, even, like, I was, you know, I didn't have any sort of, like, representation. Like, um, I knew Jack from Alcopop vaguely, and I remember messaging him and being like, what do you know about publishing and composition? He said, at this point, fuck all. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, okay. And I just negotiated myself what seemed like a fair price, and it was mm-hmm. a lot more. And I expected 125 quid, mm-hmm. tons of money to me, you know, first year of uni. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember actually taking my partner out for dinner when I got that job nice. like and like that was what I did like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah um I'm probably stupid as well because I couldn't afford food the next week but it was a nice thing to do you know like yeah but like that I was just living off alone yeah. I was like being you know careful and you moved I, down to south east London um yeah yeah so are you I, doing anything at the moment at the moment uh just music 
Yeah. Just music. And you, and I like yeah I'm, I'm yeah I'm, I'm composing for a short film at the moment amazing and can you um, give us any details of that yeah is that what I mean uh, it's, it's total nepotism it's written by my sister well, it's not written by, it's directed by my sisters yeah um so they get to choose a lot when of will stuff. it be out um so it's a short film so they'll probably use it actually more as a bargaining thing than anything else I don't know cool. if they're even thinking about yeah. how it's going to be released I will let you know if yeah. I know where it's going <laughs> but I, I imagine they'll put Thanks some me. festivals and stuff like that but like the the jobs that I have got through them like composing and stuff like that mm. it's always been like we know that if we help each other out because you know we're, it's a give and take thing as well because yeah. there are some things like they're, they're trying to get their eye in on directing right now mm. so they and, and producing they want to have lots of direction and produ- production mm. credits under their belt so they asked to come on and work on a thing I'm writing yeah. with uh, Chevy Blazer who does a lot of our visual stuff and uh, Clumsy Bodies who do a lot of our videos as well um they asked to come on and produce on that because they cool. want production credits and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, so it's, it's this give and take thing where we're always trying to make sure the other person is getting what they need. Yeah. Uh, and that's the reason for that, I guess, if you were asked us in like a broad moral sense, is that we think that we don't trust anyone more than each other to make sure that every, like, like the, your work is doing the maximum good in the world. You know what I mean? Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.